Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, Elliot. How are you doing today as well? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Milwaukee. And uh, uh, here to talk with you about the latest thing coming out of FinCEN, which is a statement on Bank Secrecy Act due diligence for independent ATM owners or operators. Did you see that? Gee, I thought we were going to talk about the NBA draft, but I guess uh, I guess we'll do this instead. Yeah, I did see, I did see that. <laughs> We'd probably have to do the NBA draft later since they haven't started yet. But well, I know our predictions, though. Yeah. Oh, our predictions. Okay. Are, are the Knicks going to move up? I mean, that's that's <laughs> important. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I did see that, and I had a couple of uh, quick thoughts, and then obviously want to hear yours. One is um, working as closely as I have with not uh, NGOs over the course of the past, you know, half decade, trying to ensure that they're not automatically de-risked for just fear of not being able to mitigate risk. It was pretty interesting, maybe even ironic, of a strong statement from FinCEN on independent ATM owners because of the same issue, apparently, that they deal with, that institutions who have been told, and I would argue correctly, that many uh, independent ATMs do present some version of risk higher than others, uh, that there needs to be a more careful due diligence so that some of these institutions, some of these entities, uh, you know, don't have problems getting banking relationships. So the fact that they put this statement out um, is, again, pretty interesting, is to, to say the least. Yes. Um... I did. It, it did strike me as I was reading it. It was like, why this and why now? Um, I I know you follow some of the hearings and things like that in Washington more uh, closely than I do, but it it felt like it was in part the result of maybe some lobbying effort um, that then put um, got move this up the urgency list at FinCEN because they have a huge list of things on their plates as we know many sets of regulations and notices of proposed rulemaking that are pending and all all of that coming out of AMLA and this one just felt it like it was um, a little out of the blue in terms of its magnitude there's certainly a tie back appropriately to the 2016 CBD rule and things like that and an emphasis on the risk-based approach uh, and things like that um, which I, you know, uh, uh, agree with conceptually. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, there's a sentence in here, or at least a phrase that, uh, that I think is uh, uh, maybe not how it comes out on the ground. And it was about uh, taking a risk-based approach. And it says, no specific customer type, including independent ATM owners and operators, automatically presents a higher risk of MLTF or other illicit financial activity. <clears throat> and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because I, I am sure that some of our colleagues who are in financial institutions have experienced a different um, view during the examination process over the last many, many years. So um, it's good to hear that statement made, but I wonder how well it translates to the ground. You know, yeah, and um, a 
couple things again about the irony of this particular statement. If you look at some uh, toward the end of the statement, they talk about uh, s- some of the information gathering that might be useful. And uh, there's a, a series of bullet points, but one of them is the location where the independent ATM owner is organized and where they maintain their place of business, including locations of owned or operated ATMs. Okay. But part of the reason for doing this statement is to make sure that people that need banking services get them. Well, then, if that's true, uh, that people should get banking services, which I don't dispute, won't there be the potential, if you look at location and you look at areas that maybe they're in Haida's or Hifka's, you know, whatever it might be, that where they actually do need banking services, that that then becomes a high-risk flag. So it's a little bit counterintuitive, uh, at least that bullet point, I think, uh, if that's going to give you a level of comfort. So I find that a little strange uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, Again, um, a lot of the comments or statement, you know, uh, tracks the CDB rule, talks about the way to, you know, the same kinds of information that we've heard appropriately again about how to uh, make risk assessment or risk uh, determinations uh, and things like that. Um, but um, as, as we've each said, it, it just seems a little uh, strange. Uh, it's definitely uh, one of those businesses that's a little challenging. I mean, in some cases, it makes a lot of sense. Um, where where you find these, these these machines and these services uh, being provided, um, and they do fill gaps, uh, as you just pointed out, in the geographies where banking services or access to funds uh, are available. Um, but um, but there's something there's something in here that uh, just felt kind of odd. Yeah, you know, and I mentioned the nonprofits. I actually sent this along to a colleague that I've worked with on some of these projects. And the response from the colleague was that this particular sentence, that the CDD rule does not require banks to conduct additional due diligence uh, to independent ATM owners. She said, I, I don't recall seeing anything like that for nonprofits, which not wrong. So again, I think that that was also also telling um, someone, uh, another uh, colleague of ours that we've worked with was watching the earlier FinCEN hearings, I think on appropriations, I can't remember exactly what, a few, a few weeks ago. And there was a lot of um, comments from some of the members uh, about independent ATM owners, like uh, a very strange high level of comments about that, that just seemed to be a result of what I would argue has been, as we've said, um, you know, heavy lobbying from that group. And I, and actually, I testified before I joined RightSource at a hearing on AML-related topics, probably like five years ago, maybe longer. And a separate panel from the one I was on was independent ATM owners complaining back then that they're not high risk. They're basically being a little facetious here, mom and apple pie, and that why is it that they're having struggles getting bank relationships you know, or get, having to provide additional information that they weren't prepared for, you know? Um, the other thing I would uh, highlight is uh, again, going back to a colleague of ours that's written about this, 
uh, and in one of her postings says, remember, ATMs are not regulated. Um, and so there's no requirements for stringent CDD measures, but it's also quite easy to buy one online uh, and establish an ACH connection through various unrelated, uh, unregulated uh, ISOs. And then, you know, you get an ATM. So uh, there are some folks that have been looking at this. So going back to our original thought, uh, really interesting that FinCEN decided to issue this. I, and I would say one, one other thing, and I, you know, I know this isn't part of what we're talking about today, but I also separately, we've been working on and we've commented before about the fact that now antiquities, dealers and advisors will be covered under the Bank Secrecy Act. I just saw something that indicates that the notice of proposed rulemaking will not be even issued until January of 2023 because of all the work that FinCEN has on its plate, which it does. But I would ask, why are we doing this? I mean, I know it doesn't take that long to put a statement together, but let's let's talk priorities here. So I, I think there's uh, a lot of questions that this raises from, from my perspective. Yeah, agreed. So uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, later today, uh, our latest webinar is uh, uh, going to be done on uh customer risk rating models. So I would urge people uh, to watch for clips of that to post to our website uh, uh, starting uh, in early July. And I know you've got at least uh, a couple things uh, in the pipeline. Uh, anything you'd like to talk about? Sure. We just posted uh, a blog that I wrote based on the uh, June plenary outcomes. So that's out on our website and out on social media. Also, there's a couple of um, uh, uh, interviews that we are scheduling. I don't want to announce them yet until they're done, but some more that have international focus and flavor. Uh, one that will be with a, um, a FinTech-related company to get their sense uh, of uh, their, their challenges. So that's, that's coming up as well. I guess going back to the statement again, the one thing I will say that is positive is the reiteration of the importance of a risk-based approach. So it's, I think we shouldn't get away from the fact that we need FinCEN and the regulators to continue to talk about any risk mitigation should be done through risk-based assessments. And as long as the examiners follow suit and look at institutions for doing it that way, it's hard to quibble. So risk-based, of course, means looking at a series of factors before you make a decision. But I would also say it, it also references that if something is considered in a high-risk bucket, um, the institution still, at the end of the day, has to make a tough call. Do we process? Do we onboard? Do we exit based on our ability, our perceived ability, and the regulatory view of our ability to, to mitigate risk. So risk-based is important. Let's continue to hope that our regulatory partners utilize that when they look at our clients uh, and the customers of our clients. Uh, agreed. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a great weekend and I will uh, talk with you next week um, uh, on uh, some new topic that I'm sure will uh, become clear between now and then. Sounds good, Elliot, and enjoy the rest of your birthday. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.